Well, good morning. The Lord is good. I hope you have had an opportunity in your life to see the goodness of God. Um, if you haven't, um, first of all, I would probably challenge that ideal because I bet it's all around you. You just hadn't noticed or paid attention. But secondly, I would say uh, there is no time like the present to begin to look to Him and seek Him and and find His goodness. He He loves you. I don't care where you've been in your life. I don't care what you've done. He loves you. He desires to be in relationship with you. He's made a way for you to be in relationship with Him, and He wants you to be. He. He cares about everything you're going through and everything you've been through, and um, He cares about your future. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, we come to you today, and we, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. We thank you for that grace that abounds toward us, Lord. We ask that you would uh, just continue to be with us in the rest of this service today. We thank you for your presence that is here, and we ask you to move in a mighty way, God. Come and have your way in this service, have your will in every situation. Lord, I pray that you go before me, not only prepare me to speak, but prepare the hearts and minds of everyone here to be able to hear and understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to them, Father. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, give me an anointing to speak and help me to say what you'd have me to, Lord. And I ask all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to get to that in a moment, but I'm going to start out with one short verse before we turn uh, over or before we start into 2 Corinthians. And this is going to be kind of a, a passage that will help us start out on the right foot and to understand where we're trying to go today. Uh, So in Psalms 51 and 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I thought about that this week and thought about what what is a right spirit. Um, Well, a right spirit is one that is upright, righteous, has integrity. Uh, It's... In opposition to hypocrisy or being fake, um, it's a spirit that is prepared and ready to do the good works of God. Uh, A right spirit is one that is like the Lord and the example He has set for us. You know, over in the New Testament, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And just to paraphrase, he came in the form of a servant, right? And so this mindset should be in each and every one of us. So when we hear this passage that says, renew a right spirit within me, we're saying uh, whatever this world, the, the, the spirit that may be in us or around us is not what we want to be. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be Christ-minded. We want to have a right spirit within us. So I thought about that, and and I thought about how there are different situations in life that we go through, and, and sometimes the type of spirit 
that is right within us is, is dependent upon the circumstances. And uh, hang with me for a minute because I'm going to explain that. Uh, all of that should be under the umbrella of Christ. Let's be clear. I'm not saying we should be um, bipolar or schizophrenic or anything where we are just bouncing to and fro, flowing with the wind, so to speak. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying certain situations dictate that we respond in like manner. Does, that, does everybody understand? If, if we step out of the spiritual realm for a moment and try to relate that to the worldly standards that we can see around us today, uh, I don't behave the same way in every situation. If, if, I'm, in a, if I'm at a birthday party, I'm going to have you know, happiness and joy. We're celebrating. If, if I'm in a, a place of danger... I'm going to respond differently in that manner. I'm not going to be just happy-go-lucky. I'm going to be on guard. I'm going to be watching my surroundings. If, if there's a fire burning, I'm going to react differently. But all of that should encompass who I am, and I shouldn't be different depending on who I'm talking to. My standards should stay the same. Does that help make more sense now? So, renew a right spirit within me begin to think about something last night as I was praying. And, you know, as children of God, we, we have something to turn to when things are bad in our life. What a blessing that is. Like Brother John was just saying, that we, we have a friend in Jesus. We have somebody to turn to, somebody to lean on when, when we're down. And not everybody in this world has that. So we, we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Y'all, I'm going to go real slow through these passages today because there is so much here that we need to really eat, chew on. <laughs> we need to really let this soak into our spirit today as we go through it because I believe it is a very important message. What is this treasure that we have in earthen vessels? Well, it, it's nothing of me, I can promise you that. The earthen vessel is this, this thing you see in front of you that really nobody cares to look at. And that can be a physical appearance or just the way that I behave as, as, a, as a human. There's nothing special about that. But as a child of God, I have a, a treasure that's stored away in this pitiful, pathetic-looking shell, and it outshines everything around me. Why would you take something so precious and put it in such a weak vessel? It says there that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Nobody can look at me and say, He's so great because of His own ability. Or He's doing this because of who He is. No, you have to look at anything good that comes out of me and say, That's got to be God. Right? And, and that's the whole point of us having this treasure in an earthen vessel like this, is that, that He is glorified through it. 
We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Praise the Lord. Man, that, isn't, that, isn't that encouraging? As we think about the things we have been through the past couple years, the things that each and every one of us are going through on a personal level within our lives, isn't it good to know that we have a friend in Jesus and that we're not crushed, we're not in despair, we're not forsaken, we're not destroyed? As a child of God, man, I can't think of another way to, to remind myself of His goodness and, and what His plan for my life is that's better than this. But that's not what I'm here to tell you today. We skip down to verse 16. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. Why don't we lose heart? Because of what we just read. We don't lose heart because we know we're not defeated. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, y'all. And here's where we're going to start getting to where I really want to be today. You see, this is from the standpoint. This passage we're reading we're reading this as children of God, people that have been saved and redeemed, people that have been had our sins washed away. We've been renewed. There's a new life within us. Understand that perspective because it matters greatly. Because nobody else going through the things we go through in life is going to say for our light affliction. Nobody else is going to say that. They're going to say it's devastating. They're going to say, I can't, I don't know if I'm going to even make it. I may not make it. But as children of God, people that are founded on His Word, people that trust Him day to day and know that we're being renewed in our spirit every day, we can say things like our light affliction. Our light affliction. Which is but for a moment. See, these, this is a mindset that's eternally minded. Knowing that this life we're living right now, the things we go through, this is just temporary. More than that, it is just a blip on the radar of what our whole life in eternity is going to be like. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Wow. For Christians, this is... This is a big encouragement. I'm not here to encourage you today. I know it may seem like it up to this point, but that's not what I'm here to do. What I'm here today to do is to exhort you. Because there is a whole segment of the population out there that does not know Jesus as their Savior. 
They do not have a hope of eternity with Him. Their sins have not been washed away. Their, their debt has not been paid. They are wandering aimlessly in this world without hope. And so when we go back and look at verse 8, they are pressed on every side and they feel crushed. They are perplexed and they feel in despair. They are persecuted and they feel forsaken. They are struck down and they do feel destroyed. And some of them may be because they do not have what we have. We look at verse 16, it says the inward man is being renewed day by day. That is not the case for those non-believers out there that don't know Jesus. What are we to do? This is why I'm here to exhort you today, church. We need a, a new spirit in us. It needs to be renewed in us, a right spirit. Not what our ideal of it is, but what God's ideal of it is. And what I believe God is saying for us right now is that we need a warrior spirit renewed in us. We need a spirit that's in us that says, I'm, I'm willing to stand up against the enemy for somebody else. I'm willing to intercede in prayer for those that don't even want to be saved. Those that have rejected God and turned away from Him. Am I willing to fight for them? Am I willing to fight for the one that would persecute me? Am I willing to fight and stand against the enemy for the one that might spit in my face? There has to be a warrior spirit within me that's ready to fight those kind of fights. Not one that is complacent. Not one that has accepted it for what it is and said it will never be any different. I work for a company that doesn't just preach safety. But it is, man, it's, it courses through everything we do. I had a guy come to our plant one time that was doing some work and we gave him a, a little safety briefing and he was kind of, yeah, okay, I, I understand, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, no, you don't understand. We're serious. You're not going to go out in that production environment and just do whatever you want to do. There's a reason why we have these things in place and you could die. You know, it's very serious. And through that sort of dangerous type of environment, it is so easy for people to say, this is just inherently dangerous. It is what it is and there's nothing we can do about that. We're just going to be as safe as we can be. And you, you kind of come into a place of acceptance. I'm not saying that those people aren't trying to be safe. They are. But what we find sometimes is that we have begun to accept the danger and decided we're not going to try to eliminate it. And y'all, I don't want to be that kind of Christian where I've just accepted that this world is damned to hell and there's nothing we can do about it. I don't want to be the kind of Christian that just accepts that these people may never find Jesus and there's nothing I can do. I don't want to be the kind of Christian that doesn't love on someone even when they seem unlovable. There's people that need love. 
not just want it. There's lots of people that don't want it, but they need love. They need to be shown the love of Jesus Christ. And if I don't have a warrior mentality, knowing that I'm fighting against enemies that I can't see, they're not my enemy. The enemies are unseen. That person will slip off into eternity not knowing Jesus. We've got to begin today to pray for a warrior spirit to be renewed in each of us. If y'all heard the terms spiritual warfare or prayer warrior, y'all, that stuff is real. I know people that don't know Jesus, and I, I desperately want them to, but... I also know there's been times in my life where I've just kind of well, I've done all I can do. When, when do you stop fighting as a warrior? You see, true warriors don't just quit because it seems hopeless. Think about this now. True warriors go on the battlefield even when they are facing great numbers that exceed what they have. True warriors say the cause we're fighting for is greater than the defeat we will, might see. Huh? True warriors step out there and fight even when they feel like there's a good chance we're not going to win. Because it's worth it. How many does it take to be saved before you think it's worth it? Is it 100? Is it 50? Is it 10? Is it just one? Are you willing to fight that kind of fight for just one? We need that spirit renewed in us that wants to fight. How many of you want to fight today? It's tough, ain't it? It's tough to want to fight. Isn't that sad? Come on now. Church, we're called to more than that. We're called to more than complacency and, and apathy and acceptance. We're called to be above, not beneath, the head, not the tail. We're called to fight for those that are down and beaten down and weak and, and we're called to that. We look at, look at Jesus. Jesus took on many different personas throughout His life here. He was always the same person. But He, he revealed more about Himself in different ways time and time again. You see times where He calls the little children up. He tells his disciples, no, don't turn them away. And it's a very tender moment. He brings them in close. There's times when, when he defends a woman that's about to be stoned for adultery. There's times when he goes into the temple and takes a whip and just cleans house. There's all these different perspectives that we see about Jesus and, and somehow we don't want to take some of those on ourselves. 
But yet we see all throughout history in the Bible how, how God has dealt with people on whatever level was necessary. Sometimes it's correction, massive amounts of correction where He takes His people, the chosen people, and puts them into bondage so that they will turn back to Him. There's times where He blesses them tremendously and does mighty works that they can see. There's all these different ways that God reveals Himself to us, but somehow we as children of God in 2021 have lost sight that we still have a God that is in control of everything and He has all power. And we just say, well, it is what it is. We must begin to call on the name of the Lord for those that don't want to be saved. Y'all, there's people that enjoy the life they're living even though we look at it and we know it's wrong. There's people that think where they're at, it's okay. They're not feeling the weight of sin just yet, or at least they won't admit it. They're not feeling the penalty that's going to come just yet. They're living that life that's ungodly, that, that is just not serving God in any aspect of their life. They're living however they want to, however they see fit. But there's coming a day. And y'all, it's so easy for us to look at those people and say, well, it's not too bad. But they don't know what's coming. They don't know how bad it's going to get. They don't understand what they're going to go through if they don't find Jesus. We're, we're standing there with the knowledge of what eternity means for them if they don't find Him. And we're not doing it. We're not sharing with them. We're, and maybe we share with them one time and then we let it go. We say, well, I did what I could do. We've accepted their fate without trusting that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. We've accepted that where they are is where they're going to be. It should break our heart, church. It should break our heart on an individual level that we are not going out and beating the bushes trying to bring people in. I'm not talking about to this building. I'm talking about to the kingdom of God. It should break our hearts. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Boy, we love that one. It's a good one. Makes the way open for anybody that wants it, right? But let's not leave out what comes after. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Are you doing that in your life today? And I'm not going to make accusations about whether you are or not. You know. You know your walk with God better than anybody else. It's you and God that knows all the details of that. Are you doing that? Or are you going out to people instead of waiting on them to come to you? 
Are you going in and sharing with them about who He is so that they might believe? Y'all, they'll never believe in a principle. You understand that? A, a way of life does not save someone. I hear people say things like that all the time. Well, I just try to live a good life in front of them. And there's nothing wrong with living a good life, but there's something else that needs to come with it. Huh? Sometimes, sometimes people need to hear Jesus. Sometimes people need to understand why it is you live a good life. They need to understand the why, not just the how. Are you going? Are you sharing? Are you telling? And it don't stop there. Now there is this level of relationship that must be with people that you don't just show and tell, but you take them by the hand and walk with them. You lead them so that they might know to call on the name of Jesus. And look, though we have that promise in verse 13, whoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. You know how many people in this world today believe they're beyond saving? I wish I had a number to give you. But time and time again I encounter people that say, well, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. As if somehow the sin in their life is so great that the blood of Jesus can't cover it. You know why they believe that? Why they feel that? They understand the weight of their sin. They understand how, how far they are off from the mark that God has set for us. They don't, however, know about the cleansing power of the blood. They, however, don't understand that, that the, the sacrifice Jesus paid was not just a, an event that happened one day, but it was done before the foundations of the world were laid. That this was the promise of God sent to man that He might be redeemed. You think God, the one that knows everything, doesn't know how great your sin is? They don't understand. How could they? Because this world tells us that there is a point where you go too far. This world tells us that when you've done too much wrong, you get punished. That's just how it is and there's no redemption. How shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? That just totally tears apart that I'm just going to live a good life in front of them. Because if my life does not preach Jesus to them, they're not saved. They're lost. They're destined for hell. Y'all, we've got to let that just really grab us inside. This is not a game that we just lost and we get to play the next one. No, this is a permanent thing where if you miss it, it's over. This life is so temporary. We're going to go to a funeral after the service today. And, you know, this, this lady had a big impact on me at, at a time in my life when I needed some support. And she died at a ripe old age of 91. That's awesome. I guarantee you, if she looked back over her life, she would say, Man, that went by quick. 
we think 90, 90 and up, man, well, you, you've, you had your shot, right? I mean, what, what else can you ask for? But y'all, that's a short time. I look back over my life. I'm 47 now, and I look back and I'm like, man, that, it, it seems like yesterday. As you get older, you start to understand that perspective. And I, I, I'm saying that today not to make you feel old or anything like that. I want you to understand that we have such a limited time. We see people my age all the time nowadays dying due to, due to illnesses. And like, man, that, is, that will really wake you up. How much time do I have? I don't know. But you know what I know? I'm good. I know when I leave this life, I'm good. Because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. My sin has been washed away. I'm covered, man. But what about everybody else around me? Oh, there ought to be something in me that says I, I'm not okay with that. There, there should be a conviction in me that says I can't, I can't just live out the rest of my days and accept the fact that there's people going to hell. I, I shouldn't just accept it and be okay. There's got to be a warrior spirit that counteracts my complacency and my apathy. There's got to be a war going on in my members all the time against right and wrong. There, there must be a struggle. You say, I just want to be at peace. You ain't going to be at peace in this life, I'm here to tell you. That ain't what this is about today. There will be a struggle in you. I ain't saying you should have to struggle with the peace with God, but there ought to be a struggle with spirit and flesh. There ought to be a war in your members all the time over who is in control and it should be the Spirit that is winning. The Spirit man should have his foot on the neck of the man. Flesh should be kept down and suppressed as much as possible. The Word tells us that we should bring every thought into captivity. Every thought that just courses through your mind, you better be reining it in, keeping it in check. Do you do that? I'll stand here today to tell you I don't. I ain't nowhere near where I ought to be. I'm not here today to give you the example of me. No, I'm a horrible example of this. But I know somebody that is. I look to Jesus and I see time and time again how He set an example for us of how we ought to live, how we ought to love people. 